Welcome and thank you for connecting with us at Parkwood Baptist Church. Here at Parkwood, we exist to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. You can find more information about our church at parkwoodonline.org. By visiting our website, you will be able to learn more about Parkwood and our mission. Now join us as we grow together through the teaching of God's Word. each of you today and to be with you for this time of worship. We're going to study together 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 11 through 21. While you're finding yourself, your place there, let, let, me, let me bring a point of clarification uh, to you. Uh, and this is an anticipation of what we think possibly may happen uh, <clears throat> as it relates to COVID. We may have to alter the way we do things. However, and this is an emphatic statement, and I mean it that way, we will not cancel worship services. There will be live, in-person worship every week here. Now, you need to make wise, conscientious decisions personally and for your family uh, as it relates to you individually. Uh, I, we will not again go back to not offering people an opportunity to come to worship the Lord and to receive from His Word. This is not a cavalier statement. I'm not trying to be a maverick in any way. Uh, I would apply this as I would to any, anything. For example, when it snows, I'm going to be here if I have to walk. Um, I, I, I will be at a place where I can live bring the Word of God to those who gather. So, with that said, uh, uh, you keep that in mind as whatever comes down. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Our focal text is verses 11 through 21. I invite you, if you would, to stand as I read. I have been a fool. You forced me to it, for I ought to have been commended by you, for I was not at all in fear to these super apostles, even though I am nothing. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. From what were you less favored than the rest of the churches? Except that I myself did not burden you. Forgive me this wrong. Here for the third time I am ready to come to you, I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours, but you. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? But granting that I myself did not burden you, I, I was crafty, you say, and got the better of you by deceit. Did I take advantage of you through any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus to go and sent the brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not act in the same spirit? Did we not take the same steps? Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ and all for your upbuilding, beloved. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish and that you may find me not as you wish. That perhaps... 
There may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you, and I may have to mourn over you of those who sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. Let's pray. Lord, help us now to understand what's being said here. Help me to faithfully preach your word. Help us to come to grips with the application for our lives today in this place at this hour. Speak to us, I plead and I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I ask you a few questions as I start. I want you to ask yourself this. Am I primarily a giver or receiver in relationships? What mode do I often, most often find myself? Self-protection or self-sacrifice? These are crucial and fundamental questions for marriage, for families, for society, and in particular for the church. The church can neither thrive nor survive when it is made up of those who practice self-focused individuality. This text is an appeal. It's an appeal to us to give of ourselves. So here, let me clearly state my main idea. Servants of Christ willingly spend themselves for the sake of others while recognizing the possibility of disappointment and rejection. This letter moves from Paul's defense, what's called the fool's speech, to an explanation of his heart for the church, evidence in his sacrifice on their behalf. In verse 11, he says, I have been a fool. He's describing, that's why it's called the fool's speech. You forced me to it, for I ought to have been commended by you. In other words, Paul's saying, I shouldn't have had to do this. You should have said this on my behalf to these super apostles. He says, for I was not at all inferior to these super apostles, even though I am nothing. And I'm not trying to make myself out to be something, but I'm not inferior to them. The signs of the true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. You saw it, he's saying. And then he explains the accusation that the Corinthians perceived that Paul favored them less than the other churches. Verse 13. For in what were you less favored than the rest of the churches? What what way can you say that, he's saying? He's, oh, I got one. Except that I myself did not burden you. In other words, I didn't take any money from you at all. Forgive me this wrong. (laughs) Again, he's being sarcastic. Forgive me for not taking anything from you. He uses himself now in what follows to describe, along with his team, what living for Christ among the people of God and an unbelieving world looks like. The opponents now disappear. And Paul focuses on his main concern, the Corinthian church. And here's what we see. First, that servants of Christ willingly spend themselves for the sake of others. Here, for the third time, I'm ready to come to you. The first time is when he brought the gospel and the church was established. The second time is what he refers to as the painful visit. Now this third visit, he says, and I will not be a burden for I seek not what is yours, but you. 
that as he prepares to come to them, he's saying, I'm not coming for some kind of material blessing, some kind of material reward from you. He doesn't expect any kind of financial gain. What he desires is to minister to them. And I don't seek what is yours, but you. And what he's describing here is a father or a spiritual father. He says, for children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. The simply stated premise here is that parents are to provide for their children. Now here's the problem. Paul preaches, writes, in a period of time, as messed up as Corinthian society was, the family was still a core institution. Today, when you make this kind of statement that parents are to provide for their children, there's so many listening to me right now who grew up with a poor parental example. There's a change in parenting altogether. And that change is influencing all of us in one shape, fashion, or another. That change is influencing how marriages play out and how parents and children and their lives together. And those two things, marriage and children, are all intertwined together. So let me just be frank. Here's the core issue in most homes in America. It's selfishness. The destruction of the home comes down to absolute and utter selfishness. That everybody in the house is looking out for them. And when that happens, the family disintegrates. And when the family disintegrates, relationships all around begin to disintegrate. And brothers and sisters, this is what we're watching. I believe what I'm preaching today may be the most timely message I've preached so far in 2 Corinthians. I also believe this. It may be the hardest for you to receive. Because we are so bent on looking out for ourselves that we've lost sight of what it looks like to look out for others. Paul here, in describing this this family relationship, is picked up by our founding pastor who who wrote about this text. This is not from a sermon. He, He wrote a commentary. And in writing about this verse, listen to what this man said. His name is M.O. Owens. There is a sense in which any true minister, particularly as he grows older, will have a fatherly feeling for the members of his congregation. And if he was the guiding hand in the foundation of the church, it will be doubly true. He, He helped start Parkwood. There's this, there's this father, loving, caring, deeply sacrificial sense in which he relates. And Paul sums it up that way. He says, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. This word, spend and spend, are the same root word. It only shows up here in the New Testament. It's in the future passive. This means this is something that's going to 
in the future happen to Paul that he's going to spend and be spent. In other words, he's going to take his life and he's going to spend his life on behalf of the Corinthians. He's not talking about his money. He's talking about himself. And he says he's going to be spent. There's going to be moments when he spends out. My grandma used to call this a good tired. When you've just given it all, you've given all you've got and laid it out there. So why is he spending and being spent? The answer is in the verse. Why? For what? What is it? Say it out loud for me. Your souls. Now, brothers and sisters, this is why this sermon is so crucial in this period of time. What are we all out to protect right now? Our body. We've forgotten we have a soul. We've forgotten that the population of the world has a soul. All we're trying to protect is the body. I'm not trying to be ugly here. I'm trying to wake myself up to wake us up to a reality that we are going to live forever. This body's not, but your soul is. And Paul says, I'm going to spend myself for your souls. Then he says this, if I love you more, am I to be loved less? He's saying simply, this is not a one-sided relationship. I'm going to spend myself for you. Shouldn't it be true that you're spending yourself for me as well, this is what the church is. It's this giving and receiving relationship. It is more blessed to give than to receive, but it is also a blessing to receive. You can't be one-sided. I'm convinced of this. One of the other major problems in the church, one of the reasons the church is being hindered from growth is because it is so full of consumers. People who just won't give to me. And if you don't give to me, I'll just leave. I'll go somewhere else and find another place that'll give to me. Folks, the, the body of Christ is made up of giving and receiving, of spending and being spent. He hears the argument, though. He hears it. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? He, he hears it. He, Paul just wants something. That's it. He wants us to love him. Did y'all hear that? He wants money. Verse 16. But granting that I myself did not burden you. Now he's referring back, I didn't take money. I was crafty, you say, and got the better of you by deceit. Did I take advantage of you through any of those whom I sent you? I urged Titus to go and sent the brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did, did, did he manipulate you? Then he asked this question, did we not act in the same spirit? Did we not take the same steps? Did we not all treat you and act the same way? It wasn't a ploy. We were trying to deceive you. It's who we are in Christ. Now, here's what I want you to notice. Did we not act in the same spirit? Did we not take the same steps? I want you to see how similar this is to the language in Galatians 5. It's the next book. Just flip to your right. Galatians chapter 5. Let's pick up in verse 16. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
So the same spirit in which Paul and Titus and the others, the patterns, the principles, were empowered by the Spirit of God. That they were walking in the Spirit and therefore not gratifying the desires of their flesh. They weren't looking out for themselves. Then in verse 25, he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So brothers and sisters, apart from the Holy Spirit, we all walk in the flesh. There's not some kind of middle ground. And this is crucial here because I, I see so many people deceiving themselves that they live in the middle ground. So I'll be the middle. Over here is walking in the spirit and over here is walking in the flesh. And then here's how it goes. Well, I'm just a regular person. And I'm just a good person. That's that middle ground people thinking. You. Look, the Bible puts you in two places. You're either walking in your flesh or you're walking in your spirit. There is no middle ground. If you're in the middle ground, I'm going to tell you where you're at. You're over here walking in your flesh. Now, it may be acceptable to everybody around you, therefore you can call it good. But when we walk in the Spirit, we are indwelt by the Spirit of God, empowering us. We are carrying out the things of God. And we are giving ourselves then for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of others in a lost and dying world. Now, here's what happens. When we spend and are spent for the souls of others, when we give ourselves for the sake of other people, there's another realization that servants of Christ willingly spend themselves for the sake of others while recognizing the possibility of dis disappointment and rejection. I'm going to use a big word for a minute. Self-actualization. That means I want to be pleased. I want to be happy. I want to be fulfilled. So where we live... One of the forms of selfishness is this self-actualizing desire that people have. I want to be fulfilled. I want to, I want, I want to be happy. I want, no, no, does anybody really want to be sad? No. Nobody really wants to be sad. Nobody really wants to be disappointed. Question, is sadness and disappointment a part of life? But we've forgotten this. Or we're trying to pretend we can live another way. That I can put sadness and disappointment over here and I can go live over here and I can stay away from that. Look at what Paul does here. He's saying, if I'm going to spend and be spent, then I'm going to be sad and disappointed. Part of it. This may be a growing up moment for a lot of you right now. Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? I'm in verse 19. It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ and all for your upbuilding, beloved. The purpose of his writing is not here to defend himself. Instead, he reveals that his concern centers on them being built up as the body of Christ. He calls them the beloved quoted M.O. a few minutes ago. That's what he always called the church. Beloved. That, that he, he desired to see the body of Christ built. Now, he spoke then, not in a defense of himself, but in the sight of God. So he's saying, here's what I realized when I've been writing this to you. 
You're not my ultimate audience. God is. And I'm going to answer to God. And also realize this. I'm speaking in Christ. I'm in union with Christ. I am his ambassador. So I am proclaiming this gospel message to you. This message that Christ died for our sin in our place. This all according to what the scripture taught that he died for us, taking and bearing the wrath of God on our behalf, and that he was buried, and three days later he rose again, just like the Scripture said. Here's what Paul's saying. This message that I'm proclaiming is accompanied with, it is alongside with gospel sacrifice. That my life is matching with the message which I preach. But he recognizes this. That as he brings this gospel message and lays down his life being spent for the sake of the gospel, he recognizes the possibility of dis disappointment when he finally gets to Corinth and it will be due to the rejection of the message that he's proclaimed. Verse 20, For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish and that you may find me not as you wish. Let's start with the end of that. I'll saying. Here's what may happen. When I get here, I may have to rebuke you. It may be a tough sermon. It may be some tough counseling moments as I have to bring to bear the Word of God because you're not listening. Now you compare this with what he says in verse 19. In the sight of God, we've been speaking in Christ for your upbuilding, beloved. And then he says, you may not find me as you wish. So people in the body of Christ, are strengthened and are built up in their faith by two things, encouragement and admonishment. This is another thing. Our culture totally taught us, be positive, be positive. Everything needs to be positive, 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 positive. And we're all pretending there's not negative. It's everywhere. It's in my life. It's in yours. It's everywhere. There's negative everywhere. Now, I don't think we ought to focus on the negative. But I don't think we should ignore it either. We cannot ignore sin. So we must encourage people in their faith and in the growth of their faith, and we must admonish them as they enter into sin. He says, for I fear that perhaps when I come to you, I may find you not as I wish. What is he afraid he's going to find? That perhaps there may be quarreling, Jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. Now, you know what's true of every one of those things? Do you know what's true of them? They require somebody else. All of them. All of these have to do with relationships with each other. When you find the opposite of self-sacrifice, when you find the opposite of people spending and being spent, you find people fighting, jealous with each other, angry with each other, hostile with each other, slandering and gossiping each other, conceited, arrogant, proud, over and above, and you find disorder. You just find chaos because nobody knows how to get along and how to deal with one another. I'm back in Galatians 5. In Galatians chapter 5, in verse 19, he says, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, robberies, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
So these works of the flesh are evidence ultimately of unregenerate hearts. They are a reflection of the world apart from Christ. And here's what's interesting. If you look at Paul's letters, you're going to find similar lists in multiple locations. None of them are identical. They're all a little bit different. You know why? You know why they're a little bit different? Because what you're struggling with and you're struggling with and you're struggling with is different from what she's struggling with and he's struggling with and what he's struggling with and she's struggling with. And you go to another church, you're going to find a whole different set of things people are struggling with in that city and in that context. But you know what's true everywhere? People are struggling. That's why Paul writes. Those those things people are struggling with rise up to the surface. Now, the question is, and Paul's going here, this is where we're going next week. The question is, are the people who are struggling with these things disobedient Christians who need to repent? Or are they people who have not yet been converted? It's going to be the big question. Examine yourself to see if you be of the faith. Now, he presses further with his fear. Verse 21, I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you and I may have to mourn over those who sinned earlier and have not repented. So these people have not turned from their sin. Impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality, these are all sexual sins. There's two big struggles going on in the Corinthian church. One, getting along with each other. Sexual sexual sin is the other area. These are the two big struggles. (laughs) And I'm just chuckling because does this sound familiar? These are the two struggles in the world we live in. People cannot stand each other anymore, but they're completely stuck in sexual sin. Paul says, when I get here and if I find that, here's what's going to happen. God's going to humble me. I'm going to mourn. I'm going to mourn over many, he says. Many. Now this is crucial. I'm preaching to myself. You, you who, who, who lead in any way, growth group, those of you leading among students, whatever, wherever you're leading, wherever you're ministering to other people, it's many, not all. Don't size everybody up in this category. It's many. I may find many of you. Now, as Paul is is, is spending himself and being spent, here's what Paul's saying. This is part of it. Part of it is that you are brought low when people reject the message. And it leads to mourning. But we also need to remember what else Paul has said. Go back to chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians. Chapter 3. In chapter 3, verse 4, he says, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who made us confident to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Through Christ and His work, here's what we can expect that the Spirit gives life. 
So we speak the truth in love and we trust the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers and among those whose eyes have not yet been opened, those who are still blind and have not seen the light of the gospel, we trust the work of God. We realize this with Paul, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us. Our sufficiency is from God. So those who are redeemed, those who are growing, whom we are pouring out our lives around and with, here's what I got to understand and you got to understand. The growth's not from me. The growth is from God. And there is great joy when you see the work of the Spirit in the lives of others. And here's what I know. The joy will come. Why? Because we're confident in Him. We are confident that we have through Christ toward God. However, however, that's why Paul writes this. However, here's what else I know. With the joy, there's coming pain. Pain. Because the Word is going to be rejected. And sometimes sin abounds. It's the pain of gospel ministry. This week I had a meeting. It was one of the most joyful meetings I've had in months. As the work of God was evident in a man. I got back to my office and opened my mail and received the most painful letter I have received in a year. All within a matter of 30 minutes. It's the work. And I don't need you to come up to me and say after this, I'm sorry. No. No. It's the work. This is what it is. And I don't do it for you. I do it with you. With you. And if you're not experiencing both of these, you're not in the work. So here's my question. Am I willingly being spent for the sake of others as a servant of Christ? Am I willingly being spent for the sake of others as a servant of Christ? COVID 19's had all kinds of side effects. But I want to tell you three areas of the church it has not affected. It has not affected kids' ministry, it has not affected student ministry, and it has not affected college ministry. In fact, we have more students and college kids coming right now to Parkwood than ever. <laughs> that may be a shock to you. Some of you may say that's irresponsible. You going to turn them away? You going to tell them they can't come? But here's what's happening at the same time. We have fewer of us working with them than ever. And I understand a lot of the reasons. I understand why we're there. I understand, and I don't want anybody to feel pressured. There are many of you who have absolutely no business whatsoever around children. 
for the sake of your health. But there are others of you that could be joining in the joy. So Wednesday night, just due to what was going on, I ended up in the three-year-old room. It's been a long time. Uh, I just thought I was tired after preaching. I went home Wednesday night and went to bed. (laughs) And Saturday morning, or Friday morning, I saw one of the little boys here on campus. And he ran up and grabbed me. Some of you are missing some joy. Yeah, there's pain associated with three-year-olds. But joy. I'm not trying to manipulate you here. This has been my prayer. I think some people are going to be like the Corinthians. You're going to receive what I'm saying. Listen, we need to give of ourselves. Then I think about growth groups. I've spent the last six months talking pastors, not our pastors, just pastors. Talking pastors out of not quitting. And we as a staff have spent a lot of time talking growth group leaders out of not quitting. It's not because you're bad growth group leaders. You're wonderful growth group leaders. But a lot of you are struggling with all the difficulty in your group. And some of you are bailing on your group because of all the difficulty in your group and all the struggles in your group. Can we all just admit something? Please? We're all struggling. We all are. And here's what we desperately need. Each other. I, I go back to Paul's question that he asked up here. He says, if I love you more, am I to be loved less? Are some of you putting undue expectations on individuals when you in turn are not reciprocating love? We all are struggling. We all need each other. And here's what we need to do. 1 Corinthians 2.8 So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you have become very dear to us. Do you have people that you are sharing yourself with for the sake of the gospel? And some of you say, well, Yes, my children, my children in my ministry. That's a given. That is an absolute given. Your children, yes, they better be people that you're sharing and giving of yourself for the sake of the gospel. But that's not the limit. There are others. There are others. Your children need to see you giving yourself away to others. We all should be giving of our own selves and that for the sake of the gospel. This ought not to happen. I've connected to the Nextdoor app and and I find it fascinating some of the things that happen on this thing. A lady sent out on Nextdoor this week, would anybody be willing to meet with me? I need a friend. What? You know what that says to me? Up and down your street are people who are Desperately lonely. Desperate. My heart breaks every time I think about our shut-ins stuck in nursing facilities that we cannot get to. That's not right. 
I'm sorry that it is not right. We are applauding and we should. There's so many healthcare workers in our church. I applaud you that you're running into harm's way. But here's what I'm afraid of. Here's what the soul workers are doing. We better get out of hiding, brothers and sisters. I'm not saying be foolish. I'm not saying be stupid. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying harm other people. But people are going to live forever. Their souls. God's called us to lay down ourselves for the sake of other people. I said some of this at the very beginning. When you studied the early pandemics, the Black Plague and other places, you know where you found the church? You know where you found her? Where the sick people were. That's where you found her. Study it if you don't believe me. They went to where people were in need. And they went with the gospel. My appeal to you is, be the people of God. November 22nd, 2020. Spend and be spent for the sake of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I fear, and the words I've said are going to be misinterpreted, twisted, and taken out of context. I just trust you with it. I trust you that you're going to spur your people on toward love and good deeds. I trust that you're going to give them wisdom to know what to do and how to respond and how to treat people and how to move toward people and how close to be to them. But Lord, I pray for all of us that we'd wake up. That we wake up and see what's going on around us and that we would see and peer into the souls of people and see the desperate need for the gospel. Move us to each other and move us to our neighbors. We pray in Christ's name. Let's stand and see.